Our reading is from John chapter 14. That's on on page 1047. John 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Well, good morning. We'll try again. We can certainly, from this passage today, we can have an assuring love of God for all of us. Today's passage is well suited for this day. It is Ascension Sunday. We were actually Ascension Day was Thursday, but we are celebrating today, uh, certainly in our hearts. Let's for let us therefore also just be sure that we are aware of the importance of the event in history of Ascension Day. Without Jesus going home on this day to be with the Father, we would not be the recipients of his Holy Spirit, and you and I would not know the Lord Jesus Christ, nor would we understand his teaching. The birth of Jesus was important, and so was his death on the cross, and now the ascension is a total necessity that we get to know that Jesus does, if he does not return, then all of that means nothing to us. There's not one iota of God's plan that can be taken away without destroying the entire plan. And that's the same principle that we need to come to understand and believe in, that we know about the Bible. We cannot ever take a single verse, not a word, out of the Bible without destroying the entire Bible. And now Jesus speaks to his disciples. He speaks to them about the place where he's going and where we one day will live with him. But let us seek assurance from this passage. Let us pray for his understanding. Our loving and gracious Father, we come before you to thank you for all that you give us, the plan that you put in place right from creation, right to the day that you bring us home. Lord, it is with all these things that we need to have strengthened in our hearts and in our minds that we will live a life that reflects that understanding and the truth that you have given us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Don't be troubled. Troubled comes in many disguises. The world today as a whole is greatly troubled. We are being told the world would end in 12 years by some people. 
unless, of course, we stop using coal, oil, gas, or anything else that wrecks this creation, because we as people have control of the world. You don't believe that, do you? Well, that's the way the leaders want us to understand. They even use, in the public domain, a 15-year-old girl to scare all other children in the world. How awful, how evil is that? Trouble comes in poverty, it comes in sickness. Trouble comes in wealth and in excesses. And if you have nothing more than yourself or a political entity to turn to for relief and and peace, then I'll tell you, trouble can be absolutely and totally devastating. But Jesus continues. He continues to say, after having told us, not let your hearts be troubled, he says, trust in God, trust also in me. When you and I have the gift of the Holy Spirit, we also know God and we know the Son And with that that knowledge and understanding, we have the same ability to have the same attitude, at least as Paul does, as he writes in 1 Corinthians. Praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, and a God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. This doesn't mean that all our troubles will fade away. But it will give you comfort to know that no matter what the enormity of the trouble, they will not last forever. You are in the safe, caring hands of a loving Lord and the promises that he has given you already to care for you in all eternity. This comes down to knowing him. It comes down to loving him. And it also comes down to trusting in him with your life. Reading in Titus, we have in the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time. That is the hope of eternal life. We will be with him. I don't want to harp on about troubles, but it's important that we only give our troubles the absolute minimum attention of our time and effort. In this life, sadly, we have we have so much rubbish being spoken in the name of the Lord, telling people that once you become a Christian, all your troubles will fade away, <laughs> and you will live a life of bliss and happiness. <laughs> yeah, right. Absolute rubbish, I tell you, rubbish. For you have, if you have no troubles, you have no stress. Well, in that fact means that you have now been entered into heaven. You are dead on earth. The promise of eternal peace is not for the life here on earth, but what you will have when you come and finish. But what you will have while still on earth is a knowledge and the assurance that it will end and you will be with the Lord. These are the things we've been promised. We will be free of all troubles and sadness when we are with him. But there are some troubles to be had. To be trouble-free and fully at peace means you will have to be sinless and only the Son, Jesus Christ himself, lived that life on earth. 
Jesus did not have a single day with fear or trouble, even though we know from reading the Bible that in his human form he did have some trepidations of what was to come in his life, which is to come in the next 24 hours in this time of history. But even then, even at that point, he was at peace with the Father. He trusted the Father implicitly. One of the most important and most difficult things we can do is actually to live out our faith for all to see. Paul managed this really quite well. Even though he faced so much trouble along the way, he then wrote in Romans 12, Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, share with the Lord's people who I need, practice hospitality, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. Yes, even as Christians we are able to mourn with our brothers and sisters because that's what we do. All the while, while we trust in the Father and we are equally to trust in Jesus. This is the Jesus who now speaks to his disciples about things in the future. In verse 2, In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. The ascension of Jesus is what he must do so that he can fulfill his promise to each of us in preparing your place for you to be with him and the Father. What we're told, what Jesus is telling his disciples is that he's preparing a room for you in your eternal home. Jesus is not encouraging us to go home. There's a time and a place for all that. It happened in Rome in the early days of Christianity. Then the emperor would have them come up and worship him and people would volunteer to come up and say, we're not going to worship you as the emperor because we worship God, which knew that they, he would be killed. That's almost suicide. That's not what we're called to do. It's always going to be at God's time and it's going to be in God's place. See, God has not called any of us to be his so that we can escape the life here we have on earth. We are here for a purpose. God has a purpose for your life, for my life. It's a part of that purpose is to live life to the full here until he comes and brings us home. The life of a Christian can and should never be like that of an unbeliever, ever. That of knowing his or her destiny and that you will see Jesus is heaven means a faithful Christian will follow the teaching and the commandments that Jesus laid down for us and live his life, his life or her life for him. The death of a Christian is never like the death of an unbeliever, ever. We know that we are going, we know where we are going, when we are going, and a certainty of a heavenly home. We know exactly where we will be. Let me read what Paul was given by God and what he wants you and I always to remember. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. 
For as I've often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, may, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. What a promise. That's Philippians 3.17 to 21. We all as Christians with the Holy Spirit in us Know and believe we are indeed citizens of heaven and we are only here for a short time in the aspect of eternity. But it's still wonderful to hear Jesus confirming his promise that he is going to come back. He says in verse 3, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Again, what a promise. We could ponder in our hearts, what exactly does the word prepare and place actually means for you and I? Let me take you, let's look at a student, for example, in high school who's heading into university or maybe their first job somewhere. The student will have a place in the student role so that in that case it will mean for him or her to be prepared for their entry into that portion of their life. The preparation is in the person and not the place. So that's what happened. I'm fairly sure this is exactly what we're dealing with here. Jesus thought through his Holy Spirit will prepare you for the entry into heaven and the heavenly role, as it were. The preparation, we also call that today, we call it the sanctification. It's a day by day, it's a week by week maturing and growing in your faith and each of us have a different schedule, a schedule only the Father knows. He will prepare you in the same time as he sees fit for you. But let me go back to the preparation bit. This is not a time, as some people will have it, where we pray and wait for the Lord. Sit still and wait and pray. See, the great commission we were given is also part of the preparation of you. It's a very active time of preparation. We are commanded to go and make disciples of all nations. Such a command does not indicate that we should sit still and wait. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Again, an active time with much to do. And then he says, teach them to be obedient to his commands. Well, if you speak to a teacher, you will know that they never sit still. Quite on the contrary, they're teaching theory, they're teaching theology, they're teaching God living, they're teaching all things. It happens every day. It is not sitting still and waiting for anything. We are actively part of God's mission. All of these are intricate parts of the prepare that Jesus is now talking to his disciples about. 
But enough about the preparation. You should also have a good grasp of what it means for each of you. So how about what that place looks like? What is it going to be like in heaven? And if you think I'm going to give you insight into details of what life in heaven is going to be, you're going to be so disappointed. Will I be able to recognize, however, the people who have gone before me? People that we know, that have gone to heaven and are living there. Where will I be sleeping up in heaven? Or should I focus on the really important questions like, is there golf in heaven? (laughs) Serious stuff. The only actual real question we should be focusing on, will I recognize Jesus Christ? And the answer to that is surely it's not going to be a problem for any of us. Naturally, we will arrive and we will know who Jesus is. He will be there. He will be welcome. He will be bringing us home. Bring him, bringing with him what is, is all important is being with him in heaven. That's what all this is about. Being with the Lord that paved the way for you and I to be in heaven by his own death. So what is the Bible is all about? It is what we must focus on. Everything points to Christ. Everything points to Christ and the life we will have with him. What would life in heaven be without Jesus? It would be a place, in fact, called hell. That's what the opposite is, which is why Jesus is very explicit. I will come back and take you to be with me so that you may also be where I am. So, what about our friends and family? Will I be able to recognize them when I get there? Well, if we go back into the Old Testament, we get the following answers. We even go back into Genesis 25. Then Abraham breathed his last and died at a good old age, an old man of full of years, and he was gathered to his people. He's gone where the people before him went. In Genesis 35, then Isaac, the son of Abraham, breathed his last and died and was gathered to his people, old and full of years. And his sons Esau and Jacob buried him. He was called to his people. Numbers 27, then the Lord said to Moses, go up this mountain in the Arabim rage and see the land I have given to the Israelites. After you have seen it, you too will be gathered to your people as your brother Aaron was. We will be called, we will be going to heaven to be with the people we love dearly, our brothers and sisters in Christ. The term your people when used about all these different generations clearly speaks to God's elect and that we will be together and we will certainly, most certainly recognize each and every one of us. We will be there like we are here. This is just a small part of our life together. Just remember this. It's a human thing to want to be with your family and friends. But it is a godly thing to want to, first of all, of all things, is to be with Jesus. And this brings us to the very last verse of today. You know the way to the place where I'm going. 
Jesus teaches us this. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We are in Jesus. We will be like Jesus. And then reading in Revelation, it says, My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. The reward is with him, in him. He, Jesus, is the reward in himself. And he will give to each person according to what they have done. Well, see, if you know Jesus, and if you trust in Jesus, and you firmly believe you will be in heaven with Jesus one day, then you are his chosen one. Only leaving one question for us which we need to deal with. What have you done? What will you be doing with the life that you've been given, the promise that has been placed on you? In light of all what he has given you and what lies ahead of you with the promises that he has given you, what will you be doing with your life to honor him in all the ways that is possible within the reach that you have. What an incredible assurance we have been given in the words of the God that saved us through his son and the love that he's poured out on each and every one of us. Should we not love and serve him with all of our lives? Let us pray. Our gracious and loving Father, we come to you again to thank you for everything that you do, for the love, the mercy, and the grace that you have given us. We thank you, Lord, for the promise, the assurance, and the knowledge that we have that we can trust your promise. We know that you do not lie, and we know that we will be with you for all eternity. It is these things, Lord, that keeps our hope alive and the knowledge of our eternal life. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.